to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. You know, as a church, we've been centering all our teaching on two questions. Question number one is this, how do I live as a Christian, as a Christ follower in this day and age? We believe that um, our faith ought to impact the way we live, do we? We believe that Christianity is not just a profession or belief, but it is a lifestyle. Question number one is, how do I live as a Christian in this day and age? The second question that we center most of our teachings on is this question, what is our purpose as the church? What's the purpose of the church? Or better yet, what is the church's reason for existence? What is the church for? Churches all around the world today, no matter what their vision statement is, is able to distill its purpose to pro- to primary goals. And this is not unfamiliar to us. It's to love God and to love people. To love God and to, and to love people. In Jesus' words, these are the greatest of all the, the commandments. To love God and to love people. In many ways, that's how we have structured this church, our church, with a two-dimensional vision. All that we do translates to loving God and loving people. We love God by making sure we have time set aside to worship to adore Him, to engage with His presence in worship and song. We read and learn from His scriptures. And also we structure the church to love people. We endeavor to do community really well by making sure needs are met and people leave our services immersed in hope and encountering God's presence. Love God, love people. The church exists for God and for people. Do we agree on that? Today on our ninth anniversary, I'd like to propose a third dimension, if you will, to our existence as a church. The church exists for God, for people. But I'd like to suggest to you this morning that the church also exists for a place. For God, for people, and for a place. And in our context, this place is our city. For God, for people, and for our city. That's my sermon title this morning. For God, for people, for our city. The word for church is the Greek word ekklesia, and the word loosely translates to the sent out or the called out ones. Church, by definition, would then be, would, would not be a building, a non-profit organization, or an event. It is a people. But I'd like to take it a step further and argue that church is a people, but not just that, it's, it's church is a people in a place. A people in a place. The early church didn't have fancy names like the one we have, the city. How many of you know it's not the city church, it's just the city, you know? And sometimes on Facebook we get like reviews of people thanking us for the amazing food and I love your Malayan and I love your your Ferris wheel thing. People think of the city of Singapore, but you know, hey, you know, what else? (laughs) And then we get one star reviews, like, oh, I hate the food. And it's like, oh... Am I? We move on. The early church didn't have fancy names. You know, if you would ask a person attending church in that day, who are you and uh, what church do you attend? What's the name of the church? They would simply go, uh, we are called the church. And not just that, it was the church in a specific location, in a geographic location. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, in Thessalonica, in Ephesus. We see that all through scripture, the people of God are deeply rooted in place or places. 
From Adam and Eve to Israel to the early church, the people of God are known to be deeply rooted in place. John chapter 1, verse 14. We're not unfamiliar with this passage of scripture. Let's go. It says this, the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Eugene Peterson, the writer of the message translation, paraphrased this line and he said this, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus came and was rooted in a place. Most of the time we think of Jesus as a hippie, itinerant, placeless kind of guy, but we often forget that for 30 years, Jesus lived in a village in Nazareth. So much so that Jesus in that day was also known as Jesus of Nazareth. Another interesting point is that early Christian followers were also known as Nazarenes. Believers are often likened to trees and plants in scripture, and no plant is able to thrive apart from being planted. Rootedness always precedes fruitfulness. You are as fruitful as you are rooted. It is by design that we are to be rooted in a place, to belong, to be planted, to be rooted in a place. Another passage of scripture I'd like to take us to Genesis chapter 1. And this is after the creation of man. It says this in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We all know that the name of the first man was the name Adam, yes? But, you know, we don't read scripture in its original text, but it's funny that Adam was created from the ground. And the word, the Hebrew word for ground is actually the word Adama, which is A-D-A-M-A. It is by design that man has, is, is designed that man is to have a symbiotic relationship almost with the ground that he was made out of. Adam was given this charge. He was put in a place in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the word take care, it loosely translates to cultivate, protect, watch over and safeguard. We were designed to live for God, no doubt, but we were also designed to live with God in a place and to partner Him in the work of cultivation and protection. I love this definition of church. It goes like this. A church is to be a geographic area of spiritual responsibility. We are not called to just take care of church members, but whole communities. Another way of looking at this concept is that we are to exist not just in a place, but for a place. We are to be rooted in a place for a place. And a statement to sum it all up that applies to us as a church is this, that we are in the city for the city. For God, for people, for a place. One common argument is that we are to be in the world but not of it. The suggestion almost is that we are just to wait out till the end of our existence or this planet's existence, whichever comes first, and then graduate to heaven. Peter describes us as aliens, exiles, foreigners in a strange land. This is not our ultimate place of habitation. There is a kingdom that is to come that will be perfect. How then do we as exiles live in a world that isn't perfect? I like to draw Inspiration from this passage of scripture in Jeremiah. Let's read it together. Jeremiah, come on. And this is his instruction to exiles. It goes like this. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. We're doing that pretty well, by the way. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city 
to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. As exiles, pray, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, this place that we are planted in, for this momentary time called life. And, if it, and when it prospers, you will prosper as well. I'd like to propose three shifts to us this morning. And these three shifts will mark the spiritual direction of the church for the next year, even as we ramp up towards the 10th year of the city. The first shift that I'd like us to embrace is this, from transience to permanence. From transience to permanence. And I checked it, the word transience actually exists. So in case you're wondering if I made it up. Jeremiah 29, you know, that, that verse, it says, Have kids, settle down, be invested into that city that you're planted in. In his book, Here is New York, E.B. White describes several different kinds of people who interact with city. There are natives and locals and the young and ambitious. But there's also a third category. He calls, it, he calls that, that group of people the locusts. These are people who live outside a city where life is easy, but commute downtown to take advantage of its opportunity and resources. They don't pay taxes, they don't raise their family within the city limits, and they don't wrestle with the city's challenge. Just, they come, they take, they leave. Here's a simple truth. You don't invest in where you are transiting. Most of us wouldn't go to our hotel room and start cleaning up and fluff the sheets, you know, and redecorate. Or we wouldn't... Uh, you know, rearrange the furniture in an airport terminal to make it more optimal. We don't invest in where we transit, but you invest in where you are planted in because you have vested interests. We are to move from transience to permanence. Being planted means that we weather seasons together. Sometimes we experience the fruitful harvest in the summer, but we also endure the bleak cold of winter. Much like a plant doesn't up itself and root, uproot itself and escape an unpleasant season. Being rooted means that we weather the storms together. We celebrate the highs and we grieve the lows together. Kathleen Norris, a writer, says this about being planted. To attach oneself to a place is to surrender to it and suffer with it. To attach oneself to a place is to surrender to it and suffer with it. The next shift I'd like to propose that we ought to embrace this, to move from dabbling to devotion. From dabbling to devotion. Let's have the passage up from Acts. Familiar passage of scripture, and this is talking about the early church. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And catch this, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were devoted and the Lord added to their number daily. This says to me that their devotion wasn't a Sunday thing. Their expression of church wasn't limited to a service setting. But they were the church. They were devoted Christians every day. And because of that, the Lord added to them daily. 
John Tyson, in talking about this passage of scripture, says this, the word devotion modifies everything else we see in the text. The intensity and intentionality of the lives of the early church members set them apart from much of the religious activity of their day. Faith was not an addition to life, but a reframing of life itself. The church is called to devote itself to the radical pursuit of God, walking with Him and delighting in His presence. We create time to steward emotional energy to bear one another's burden. We use our strength and energy to serve one another in practical ways, cleaning, moving, celebrating, fixing and working. We make sure that we get enough rest so that we can be fully present to what is happening in the lives of those around us. We eat and exercise to steward our bodies as holy temples where God's presence dwells. Although sharpening our intellect is important, it does not come to the detriment of or distraction from our love and lives. And last, we seek ways to steward what we have, practicing generosity, not letting the desire for more choke out the work God wants to do in our lives. God's heart is that we might shift from dabbling in church to devoting ourselves to His kingdom in such a way that the world is jarred out of its idolatry by the intensity of our communal passion. And in a world of passive distraction, Passionate devotion gains attention. It can shake the imagination of the world once again. From dabbling to devotion. And the last shift is this. We are to shift from belief to practices. From belief to practices. James chapter 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see him discipling his disciples. Not just teaching them. To take on the way of Jesus wasn't simply to take on his worldview or interpretation of the scriptures. It was to take on his lifestyle, to learn how to think, love, act, relate, practice, embody, and model the kingdom of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave a clear picture of the practices he wanted his disciples to live out. Kindness over judgment, forgiveness over vengeance, purity and faithfulness in our sexuality, turning the other cheek, Loving, praying for and blessing our enemy. Praying and fasting. Giving in secret. Seeking God's kingdom and not material riches. Seeking God radically through persistent prayer. And building our life on observing these practices. And observing and obeying Jesus' words. We are called to love the outcasts. Challenge hypocrisy. Lay down our lives for one another. Celebrate the good and the true and the beautiful, and give generously, all while seeking God and finding Him in mysterious and miraculous ways. And then when the challenges and trials of life come, we will be deeply rooted in God's love and His grace will enable us to walk with perseverance and joy. Church can certainly become a place where Christians are informed by teaching, but God's heart is for the church to become a place that equips people for kingdom living, and what is kingdom living? What is this life abundant that Christ wants us to live? It's when we reorient our lives to live with these three goals in mind. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the works of Jesus in our city. Dream with me for a second. What will it look like for every single church in Singapore to own the geographical location they are planted in? What will it look like for churches to meet the social and spiritual needs of the people in their vicinity, to own the community that they are planted in? What will it look like for us to reorient the way we do church and channel some of the energy that we spend shaking our fists and standing up against sin to sitting down with the sinner, the broken, the hurting, the lost? What will Singapore look like? How about we? 
become that church. We build this city. We gather on Sundays. We come and serve and build this house together with our time, our talent, our treasure. We serve people. We exist as a church to be a beacon of light, hope, and answers. But we also build this city that we are planted in. We gather on Sundays, but we scatter on Monday to our workplaces, our schools, our home to seek for the betterment of every environment that we are planted in. We are in the city for the city. Together we build this city until the kingdoms of the earth become the kingdom of our God on earth as it is in heaven, in our city as it is in heaven.